Is it really surprising that the most powerful man in the world should be a figure of controversy? We, as a population on this planet, have been looking for a savior. This can't give me the kind of We're talking about a being whose very existence not telling us the truth. challenges our own sense of priority Fuck you, asshole. in the universe. Human beings have a horrible track record of following people with great power. And absolute power corrupts absolutely. Devils don't come from help Oh, they come from the sky. The world has been so caught up with what he can do that no one has asked what he should do. That's how it starts. The fever. The rage. I want to fucking kick your fucking ass. Feeling of powerlessness. That turns, good man. Dylan. Cruel. You son of a bitch. Tell me. Mm. Do you play? Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. You like that fat cock mm. in your mouth? You will. Oh, yeah. Suck that cock. It's tragic. I want you to be my boy. You want to be my boy? I understand. Good, good. You want to be my boy? Huh? Fuck yeah. Uh. Live from Cool Boys Central. Hold your dicks and rub your tits. You'll be ice cold. Here come the cool boys. Just a young boy. <gasps> so cool. So cool. So cool. I see cool boys. Baldwin. Baldwin. Baldwin, stop. Stop. Baldwin. Jeez. Greetings, cool boy nation. Oh yeah, just I can't. Are you reading? What are you gonna read? Are you gonna read the actual outline? Are you gonna you gonna throw it off something else? Let's gonna read the outline. So we are doing BVS. Sure. Greetings, Cool Boy Nation, and welcome to an ultimate edition of the Cool Boys Podcast. I'm Martha Felt. What does that mean? And I'm Martha Ballard. Why did you say that name? Fine. Him. Save Martha. <laughs> so cool. Yeah, well, you know, there's two Marthas in DC, so two Marthas here at CB. So cool. <laughs> this episode, we'll be discussing Dickfa. Yep, Dickfu. The DCFU. Oh, yes. So we'll go our cool boy updates and get right into Batman v Superman. Dawn of Justice Ultimate Edition and all the fabulous spoilers it has given us. Now, I, yeah, it's, it's, and it says, Cool Boys Watch Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice Ultimate Edition. Yeah, I did like four years ago. Me too. Oh my God. I'm so happy we finally got the spoiler cast out. Why did you say that name? Yeah, I don't know why. Martha, why did you say that name? Okay, but. Now. Stop. Why did you say that name? Can't do it's it. His mother's name. What does that mean? It's his mother's name. I don't know what that means. Fucking thing sucks. Well, four years ago, we saw it in theaters. And then a scant three months later, we got to see it uh, a little more than that, maybe. And in a digital form. And then got like, we then got to see the entire movie because all we saw in theaters was uh, an abridged two hour and 30 minute uh, version of a three hour movie that needed most of its scenes. Not all of them. Most. Absolutely. And why are we talking about this now? Four years in the in the future. 
Why not? Why not? We finally got to it. We had an entire list of shit we had to get to in order. Yeah. This finally came up. Frozen 2, Things. Yep. <laughs> yes. Now, fi- Baby Secret of the Lost Legend. That's way up there. I'm definitely way up there. Baywatch Hawaiian Wedding. <laughs> and now we finally get to Dawn of Justice. <sighs> Thank God. Thank God. Yeah, the reason we're doing this is because... Zack Snyder during the quarantine, the coronavirus quarantine, <laughs> he uh, decided to have a live commentary, and I didn't see it. Did you watch it? I did not, because yeah. I'm not going to download Vero. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I don't even know if it was like an audio commentary or if he was just texting along. No, he was on. He was. He was uh, you should look up what he looked like. I mean, you can, just, you can just search for it. He was. He seems to have a pretty nice home theater. Uh, or maybe it was in an office screening room uh, and he's just going to his office anyways, but it, it's like it's stadium seating. So it's pretty nice. Wow. And he, yeah, he, he had that. his computer up and he was like, like reading questions from people who were, you know, chatting with him on, on Vero, I guess. And, uh, he held up a lot of original concept art and stuff. Cool. I did not know any of that. I, uh, I just, uh, read a few articles online and got, of course, a bunch of the little bit quotes, um, that he said, uh, apparently while watching the movie, things that, you know, give us a little extra insight into this movie all these years later. But, um, I watched felt- about 20 minutes of it total, actually. You did actually watch some of that? Yeah. Uh, I, and I didn't seek it up either. Cause I just watched like the, like the middle part. Cause I knew like the parts I wanted to see. And, and he, he, uh, didn't really prepare. He was finding his thoughts frequently and sometimes just got distracted and watched the movie itself. Uh, nice. but he did, you know kind of had his guard down um wait where did you watch this live when it was happening or did you see this later somebody uploaded the entire thing to youtube oh wow okay i'll have to go find that then i'm very interested so uh cool boy nation tune out now if you want to hear a bunch of people talk about something they did not watch (laughs) other than the movie saw the movie yeah i mean i haven't the the last time i think i rewatched it would have been like three years ago Uh, uh maybe for me uh, two years ago, 2018. Yeah, probably 2018. Yeah, so not fresh in the memory, but I do remember it. I mean, there's not like a scene that you can mention that I wouldn't be familiar with, but there are scenes that I'm hazy on. Like when Jenna Malone says, what an odd little duck describing a bullet. There's some stuff in there. Yeah, that's right. Oh my God. That's, she's the best. Um, So... I always kind of, yeah, thought that that was supposed to be like a Barbara Gordon Easter egg, but I guess there's nothing there to that. Yeah. Um, so the reason why I've seen uh, BVS and Ultimate Edition multiple times is something we're going to start off with um, when we actually get into the conversation. It has something to do with Snyder asking a question to his fan base about editing. Um, I will leave it at that. But for right now, Felk, we need to discuss do we? and rate all the past films in the franchise. Actually, now we need to throw to the spoiler theme uh, first before we, we did do that. that. No, we no, no, we that. say, so cool. Announce spoilers from here on out. We already or, did. All, oh, yeah, we've, we've done all that. We didn't do True. that. I didn't do that. You don't actually have to read the thing that's, not, that's in black. You only read the blue. Yeah, but I have to say, spoilers from here on out for Batman okay. v Superman Dawn of Justice Ultimate Edition. And then okay. you throw to the theme. Okay, and there it is. You did it. It's time for spoilers. Ow! Cool? Cool. So cool. And a cool fizzle. Ah! 
There's only one police in this town. That's what Matthew Modine says in The Dark Knight Rises. When the, uh, that's what we're all going to be like in a, in a month, I hope. We're all going to come out of the the fucking sewers and we're, he's going to in our dress whites. Well, he was not in the sewers. He was just chilling at home, Matthew Modine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a different Batman movie. Much better one. Uh, I disagree. Really? Hmm. Yeah. I I love I love The Dark Knight Rises. Are you rating the I, movies or are you rating Batman in the movies? Uh, okay, well, see, I don't even know. Okay, hang on. So you asked me if I think it's a better Batman movie than The Dark Knight Rises, or it, and okay, let me answer that question first. Yes, and now let me uh, uh, answer the second question: Which Batman is better, Dark Knight Rises Batman or Batman v Superman Batman? Yes, as depicted in, in those. You only get 20 minutes of Batman and Batman Rise, and The Dark Knight Rises. Right. Uh, BVS, I think, is probably the best interpretation of Batman and Bruce Wayne and the combination of the two that we've ever had on film. Well, just, it's, I just think it's weird that you get more uh, Batman in the second Superman movie than you do in the third Batman movie. It's not a second you. Superman movie, and that's a big deal, and that's obvious after all these years is that um, uh, Zack Snyder wasn't making a Superman film followed by a Superman sequel and then Justice League film. It was and then Justice League films potentially. Um, it was Zack Snyder was working on what, he, like he would consider his own personal black label version of the DC, like you know universe if told through his eyes and through a perspective of realism and dark and gritty. Uh, far too much so than and a lot of Frank audiences Miller. were. Yeah, and Frank Miller, for sure. I mean, definitely BVS is based around or, or has artwork that was inspired, concept art and, and production design inspired by um, Frank Miller's uh, the, the Dark Knight Returns. Because, like, both The Dark Knight Rises and BVS have the old cop, young cop dynamic first encountering Batman they that's do. from The Dark Knight Returns. Yes, uh, in the uh, tunnels or whatever, the underpass in. Uh, yeah, in that, that dialogue's straight from Dark Knight Returns. Straight up. And then so is isn't also the dialogue straight up from Returns where he's like, "Hey, do you want to? You know, we don't shoot the good guys." Isn't that a line from Dark Knight Returns? I think so. I've I've read it. I have it. I have, I mean, I haven't read it in a few years. Um, the thing about the uh, wondering now now this is a completely separate tangent is that it's uh, fine. It's all we don't. John need. Carter is. You know, a great film. Uh, I think John Carter is a great film. I love John Carter. Yeah, I've been meaning to watch it. It's on obviously Disney Plus. It's it's as it's as like uh, influential in 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 the way they utilize mocap as Avatar is. It I is, just, uh, it is Taylor Kitsch is why important. I don't I haven't watched it because Taylor. I Kitch know is a, that's that's everyone's reason, but everyone's wrong because he's not bad in the movie. He's not a bad actor. People just don't like him. But my point was this. So John Carter is this really fucking good movie that no one wants to see because everybody's seen Flash Gordon, everyone has seen Star Wars, everyone has seen Tron, everyone's seen every version of 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 John Carter already. Like everyone has seen every version of that story already. So when they saw John Carter, they didn't give a shit. My problem is that The Dark Knight Rises and BVS, I've already established so much conversation and so much lore and so much pop culture awareness of The Dark Knight Returns that even Zack Snyder talked about this in his commentary for BVS. Um, he talks about how people could still do the Dark Knight Returns. I, I I know that they haven't done the story outright, other than Jay Olivia has done it, the animated version, which was awesome. The, the DC animated movie version of that. That's, that's part two, two. Yeah, yeah. Part one is way better than part two, but it is good. Um, but the point is, is that I think people will see it and just be like, ugh. And they'll be bored by Batman finally. Because they'll just be like, this is... 
this is not I've seen this kind of right like this is kind of like the Dark Knight Rises this is kind of like BVS and I don't I don't know if I necessarily like this and then I think that's gonna be sad I think it's a really sad like you know potential situation that could occur because of all of this you know hinting and referencing and homaging that we've gotten so far in DC because they can't just fucking commit and make a Dark Knight Returns movie. I, I don't think audiences would like a Dark Knight Returns movie if they actually got it. The, all the it's mutant way stuff. Too, it's way too conservative. The No, I I disagree because I think the conservative stuff could be uh, done fine and, and the Nolan trilogy being as, as conservative as it is kind of proves that, uh, especially Rises. But um, it's it's no, it's just it's too fucking weird. Uh, the Batman being that bitter and angry and 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 cold and murderous doesn't uh, wouldn't work. And all the mutant stuff also is just like that's not good. That's not what we people want from a Batman movie. The mutant stuff is really dark, and that's where I think you're going to have audiences not like, especially test screenings. Any test audiences are going to fucking hate the mutant shit. And I don't think they like that interpretation of the Joker either. Maybe because he's too he's too clean. He's too flamboyant. Maybe he's too uh, uh, metro. He's very but, emo. Um, yeah, emo too. He's very, he's very Jared Leto -y in that way. Um, but mutants are despicable. They're they're just completely they're disgusting. They're gross. Um, they are just pillagers and rapers, and they are like you know uh, a level of crime that's almost cartoonish but it's so violent that you could do it in an HBO way that would be awesome. But if you toned it down and made it tone deaf to the point where they were like PG 13 mutants, it's never going to play right. And that was one of the things the animated movie did a fairly good job with where they, they skated that line. They, they, they knew they couldn't make them like outright horrifying, but at the same time they knew they had to be like full on criminals. So anyways, Hey, let's discuss our rating of the past films and franchise. So that's just one movie, Felk. Man of Steel. I, I, I'm going to give Man of Steel fucking five out of five, boys. And I give it five out of five, boys, as well. Now, Cool Boy Nation, tune into the first, like, 20-odd episodes to hear our consistent and constant discussions of Batman v Superman and our love of it, and mostly for us to discuss it with Nolan, who hated it, and I think has never even seen the Ultimate Edition. As far as um, we know, he is not. So, five out of five boys, Man of Steel for both of us. Uh, I, I do think it's the best Superman story I've ever seen. It's the moment when I was watching it uh, in theaters with my wife when I was watching that battle where people got action fatigue and I can understand that, but I didn't. I kept going, whoa! Like, I was I was shocked. I had a Superman movie of this magnitude, of this level of drama with no camp, just completely campless, unlike uh, the Christopher Reeve version, full of camp. Uh, especially Superman 2, which is some of the people say is the best Superman movie ever made. And I'm like, I don't know about Superman 2. It's too campy. It's like too many versions of Superman 2 that don't really give it one cohesive uh, 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 kind of tone. Superman uh, 1979, I would say, is definitely a five out of five boy movie. It's mm -hmm. one of my favorite like comic book films of all time. It's just something about how Man of Steel is like how I would play with toys. It's how I would want to read the comics. When I read things like Superman Birthright, like that's how I envision Superman. And you get that with Man of Steel. And, and it's really dark and it's really grim, but it's really real in that way. I find, at least I think so. It matches for me what I would expect. And I've seen colorful Superman. 
I've never seen fucked up, dark, gritty Superman. So I loved that concept. It's not that fucked up or dark or gritty. I mean, it's it. If you turn, I mean, other than the actual color palette, he's still Superman. He's not like, su- I, I don't know. It's not as gritty or brutal as people. The, the scientist uh, uh, is like, a, a, I forget his name, but it's, he's a big character in DC comics and they kill him off in, at the end of the film. I mean, they, they uh, Superman, Kal-El has to kill off the last living person of his species uh, from his planet, like at the end of this film, and Krypton, the whole opening of Krypton is super dark and gritty. I mean, people are dying left and right. There's a coup d'etat for the entire, like, you know, uh, world, apparently. While the world is falling apart, you have um, uh, even Zod, not Zod, uh, Jor-El's creature they flies gets injured and dies. And he just leaves him on the landing zone because it's like, whatever, I can't deal with them. And there's like, I thought it, I thought that uh, uh, Man of Steel was very dark and gritty. Hmm. And on top of that, the way they kill the um, the uh, Air Force pilots and the uh, the Army squad, military squad that's on the ground, like how they're just like destroyed by um, Feora and uh, whatever the other guy's name was. The big guy. Yeah, yeah, the big guy. Yeah. Well, Feora's not. Yeah, Feora's from the comics because she was. They just renamed her in the comics to not have to give. Uh, money to whoever wrote the character from Superman 2 because it's clearly like this like Ursa or whatever her name is in the Superman 2 it's it's basically the same character yeah they gave Zod in uh Man of Steel two generals to be on Earth with to make it very similar to how it was in um uh, Superman 2 there's a big guy it was the you know the, the big guy from uh I forget who he, what he's from he's from something else I don't know Superman 2 yeah it's not the guy from Night Court is it <laughs> No, no, no. Jack O'Halloran. He played Non. Yeah, Non. Yeah. You know why I know that? Because someone from our uh, from Name Redacted would always call me Non because he said I looked like Non. Anti-Semitic of him. That's it. Well, he's very Semitic himself. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Feora was uh, absolutely incredible uh, character. Um, she was one of the standouts of the film. Uh, I, I remember being like, wow, I really did wish they didn't kill her off and even debating if they actually did kill her off to see if that she could come back. Cause she was maybe only sucked into a phantom zone, even though it was more like she was sucked into a singularity. Yeah. Right. I'm sorry. I was distracted by Batman V Superman, which I've started playing to also have, mm. have watched. And, and uh, it just occurs to me that there is no canonical definite canonical, uh, timeline as to whether or not uh, Bruce fell down the well and got scared by the bats before or after his parents were, were killed. This version, of course, has, has an after running from the funeral. And in uh, Batman Begins, it's before. And uh, in, the, in the animated version, uh, he never falls down a well and he just randomly picks bats i think is that that's a dream but that's just a dream in bvs that's not even like that's not supposed to be an origin or anything that's just literally bruce's dream hmm. so anyways um you're talking about ba- batman v superman dawn of justice let's get into batman v superman dawn of justice ultimate edition felk what do you rate it in, in retrospect three and a half out of five boys <gasps> wait you used to not be that low maybe i was maybe it was four we're talking about ultimate right yeah, Ultimate Edition, yeah. That's the only edition I consider, to be honest. Yeah, well, I mean, as the years have sunk in, it's like, all right, this is this is the Empire Strikes Back. I mean, 
Look, I know the Ewoks are a little campy, but um, Justice League ain't no Return of the Jedi. If we're, that's we're not def- his Justice League. That's not his Justice League. I know. We, we haven't seen his Justice League. Maybe someday we will. He even talked about that in the commentary. He said something along the lines of like uh, about the Snyder Cut. He said, you know what? I think they should make a sequel to this movie someday. That would be amazing. That would really be something else. I want to know what happens to these guys. I mean, don't they eventually, I don't know, form some, and then apparently that's the end of the commentary. Hmm. Or he stopped himself. Like I said, I've never seen it. That'd be a nice thing to get while we're all COVIDed. It would be. There's a lot of nice things we could get while we're all COVIDed up. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, well, one of the things you're watching right now as you're watching BVS is this opening, you know, attack on Metropolis. Yeah, it's it's uh, highly reminiscent of 9-11, which makes me nostalgic for a time in which the worst thing we can remember happening to us was 9-11. Yeah. When only 3,000 people died in one day? Yeah. Yeah, that's different now. <laughs> that number is different. Well, I don't know if 3,000 people have died in one day. Maybe they have. At 9-11, they did, yeah. On 9-11, they did. Yeah. That was murder. <laughs> so it's a little different. They still died. Yeah, and here in BVS, it's it's more collateral damage. Although, I guess Zod was deliberately... He didn't care. He was just trying to kill... He wasn't trying to kill everybody, but he knew he was and wasn't concerned about it. There's a point where he flat out like, I'm just going to fucking destroy everything you care about because I'm so pissed at you. Yeah. And that and so Zod does attempt to try to hurt people because of that. Um, so as you're watching Zod's attack and Kal-El try to stop it and you're seeing Bruce and what Bruce was actually doing that time. Um, Snyder actually said something about a super Snyder cut. He said, I wonder if anyone's ever done a five hour cut, which would basically just be editing these two parts of the movie together carefully. You're getting to this quick. (laughs) I've never seen that. I'm sure it exists online somewhere where they match up all of these moments so that they're happening simultaneously. I don't know if anyone's done that. I'd have to look, but it feels like a cool thing to do because it would all, it should all match up pretty well because they're right below they're fighting right below. It could be kind of cool. Well, guess what, Zack Snyder? You're not fucking listening to this, and nobody's fucking listening to this. But I fucking did that. And I'm a fucking professional editor. I know I call myself a pizza delivery driver all the fucking time. But for this one instance, I'm a fucking professional editor. And I love Man of Steel and BVS. And I cut both of those films together and made one giant fucking five hour movie. And I loved it. And I even went and added on to another version, Wonder Woman and Suicide Squad. I've never seen that one. (laughs) I love fucking what the early DCFU was. I'm fine with where it's going. I actually love Shazam and I, we, we liked Aquaman. We actually gave them both really good reviews. We gave Joker a good review. So we've liked everything we've seen. We have not seen Birds of Prey yet, but I, did this. And let me tell you, there are people online on YouTube who've done side-by-sides and picture-in-pictures and, and people who've attempted it and couldn't do it because they said they had a girlfriend all of a sudden. Or they said, you know, that they had a better life all of a sudden or whatever. I did this Who shit these people? when I... There's people all over the internet. There's literally, like, people doing thank pieces about this. I did this thing with the fucking hot, sexy wife and... I made these edits with children. I did it. I'm a professional. I fucking did it. I legitimately did it. I mean, I'm a professional. I don't mean I fucking did one tiny little job for somebody and got paid for editing. I mean, I'm a goddamn television editor with fucking 
decades of experience and I fucking cut this thing and I made it work and I sunk up the fucking score from the actual soundtrack and I and I refollied shit when I needed to and I fucking did it and it's awesome. It's so fucking awesome and I watch it and Felk's seen it and Dorn has seen it and that is all the people in the world that have seen it. Why? Because like I said, I'm a professional fucking editor and I will not release this online because I don't want to fucking get sued by Warner Brothers or have my job destroyed for life and banned because I decided to fucking edit something and then post it for the fucking whole world. Yeah, I mean, Tover Grace did it with the the uh, Star Wars movies. He did with The Hobbit as well, and I did The Hobbit as well, and I cut all three Hobbit films into only the 1970s version of The Hobbit cartoon. I did that. I cut those Hobbit films into fucking one movie that's only the plot line from the 1970 cartoon from uh, fucking, uh, what's his name, Ralph Bashke. So, yeah, I fucking, I have a cut. It's awesome. I recommend everyone do it. If you fucking reach out to me and I can figure out some way to send it to you, I'll fucking send it to you because I fucking think it is amazing. It is so amazing. And watching that sequence of the attack on Metropolis and you see it from Bruce's perspective and Kal-El's perspective and you see it cut together with music is fucking awesome. Yeah. You've seen it. You put a lot of work into it. I did. It's beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. And Felk, Snyder wants to see that. And I'm sure someone's going to send him some bullshit edited version or he's being coy and he had his own editor already cut that together with the raw material and the raw fucking dialogue and the raw fucking, you know, score. And, he, and I'm sure they had the stems and they were probably able to fucking put together something really amazing. But I did with the best I could by manipulating a 5.1 surround soundtrack along with the score. And I recolor corrected it too. So they match up because that's the one thing that doesn't match up. Man of Steel is a little bit more green then uh bvs bvs is not as greenish uh filtered no so i, I went back and i went the opposite end of the color wheel and just did purple superman's so that outfit's more more colorful than bvs way more colorful than bvs so yeah i went back and i boosted saturation on man of steel i played with the contrast a little bit and then i pulled the color wheel the midtones to a little bit more purple to kind of remove some of the um green in the midtones and i did the same thing with the whites to remove some of the green in the whites the blacks were pretty much fine, especially when you crush them a little bit more with the contrast. That's the only reason I wanted to have this episode. Good night. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I did it. I fucking cut that thing. So uh, we can run down the list real quick. Um, but I just want to say my BVS score is 4.5 out of 5. Um, uh, the theatrical version of this film is a train wreck. Uh, it's because... Uh, Warner Brothers forced Zach to have to cut down a story that was already tight yeah. at three hours. So uh, Zach Snyder talked about how Batman is a murderer. I'm fine with Batman killing people. I'm fine with Tim Burton's Batman killing people. I've said before, the problem I have with Zack Snyder's Batman killing people, and it's not a big problem. I understand the point of the character's choices to kill people at this point and then how he is going to revert and not be that type of Batman by the end of this film. I get it. It's an arc. But my problem with Batman just being an outright murderer in a sandbox, this is the way we saw it at the time, was this was going to be one film and it's going to have other films in the extended universe like Wonder Woman, Suicide Squad, and so forth, and Aquaman. Well, you can't have – you shouldn't have characters that are vastly different than the source material when you're playing in a sandbox. Now, now these movies aren't, aren't that. They're not a sandbox films really anymore, so I don't really give a shit. So Batman's murdering in BVS doesn't bug me at all anymore like it used to.
No, I mean, the tone of it's wrong. Murdering Jimmy Olsen, which just happens to be on screen right now, in the, uh, in the, in the like, first five or whatever minutes. Yeah, it's within, like, the first minutes, 20 minutes. Yeah, first yeah, 20 minutes uh, or so. Is, uh... Like I, and you know, yeah, in the theatrical cut, we didn't even know that was Jimmy Olsen, so that no. scene makes no fucking sense. But in, in no, and the, the accident when we actually saw the movie, that was like where I realized, like, oh my god, this was integral shit, because like it made sense. You do the meet cute with Jimmy Olsen meets Lois yep. for the first time, you're you're setting it up. Oh, okay, this is Jimmy Olsen. He's going to be an important. Oh, he's dead. You immediately know what what Zach was going for with the the stakes. But um, also, huge amounts of that opening are clearly like cut out when you watch it theatrical because they reference shit that are like all these bodies were gunned down and burned and you're just like wait what what yeah. what bodies were burned but what but just were- my point is that even though it made sense in the ultimate cut what zach was going for there with why he jimmy introduced jimmy and then killed him immediately uh it still is the wrong choice like you shouldn't be killed you shouldn't have a jimmy olsen who beats lois and then dies that that doesn't He's pulling the rug out from underneath you, or that was the attempt, but I agree with you. Jimmy should have died by the end of the film, not at the very beginning. Establish a character, have some love for the character, miss the character when he's gone. As opposed to be like, hi, here's the character. Oh, winking and Yeah, we don't give a shit about this Jimmy Olsen. So what does he say about Jimmy Olsen? Uh, Zach actually said something about that. He said, I just like the idea that Jimmy was a spook for the CIA. I always felt like Jimmy, you know, never was capable, that capable. And to see him be like a speak foreign language, that's what he said. And see him be like a speak foreign language. People always ask me if he's dead. Do we see him again? Does he come back to life? I don't think so. It implies a bigger universe. It implies that these dominoes are falling as we go forward. And that's definitely his intention. It is a little weird. I feel like any other character we were introduced in that moment and then they died or if lois had like a cameraman that was like a veteran with her and then he died and then jamie olsen was introduced afterwards that might have been a little bit better but i like what we still got and like it's different and i don't fucking need a jamie olsen movie and i don't need jamie olsen to be a major character in this movie there's too many characters already in this film with a lot of focal points and if i really want jamie olsen i can go watch you know lois and clark i can go watch the old superman films and shit like that but, I mean, Zach likes killing people. I mean, back to the Batman murderer, he even said, I'm sure these guys are fine. They're going to be 100% okay. There's no way they're dead. We should have done, like, an A-team-style shot of them getting up on the side of the road for the PG-13 version. And then Batman talks about the guy who pulls out a grenade. He goes, he shouldn't have pulled that grenade. That's his fault. So, I mean, Zach has opinions that are obviously about making this world a little darker and a little bit more, you know... Um, Kind of unexpected from the comic book norm. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, I always hated um, A-Team, as he referenced, or I would say more specifically G.I. Joe for me. G.I. Joe, yeah, he, especially. But I always hated when you saw the parachutes. I was like, no, let that fucking plane crash and all those guys burn and die. Let the Cobra guys die. I, like I always the, wanted the, the, that. As they're parachuting from their destroyed planes, they just, like, yell out, Cobra! Yeah, cobra. Like, or you would hear someone be like, "Oh, there's shoots." <laughs> you would hear someone say that there were shoots if they didn't show it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, it depends. Iron Man does that with the fucking oh, a shoot got deployed. It's like making clear that Iron Man didn't murder someone. Yeah. Uh, but uh, even though he like murders people in that little town of uh, Afghanistan, like by the middle point of the film, he definitely kills those guys. I have to rewatch it. Does he? Because I, I in like um, 
in Age of Ultron, doesn't he also fire like little heat seeking rockets of people? But it's like they throw in like, oh, they'll take a nap. <laughs> Guys, stop. We got to talk this through. It's good talk. I definitely appreciated Zach's vision. Um, I think that Lex is probably the biggest part of his vision that was off for me. I mean, no matter which version I watch, Ultimate Edition or theatrical version, Lex Luthor's weird. He's just weird across the board. Yeah. And, he do, and, and like he's grown on me, on but me. that doesn't make it right. <laughs> he's not grown like on it, me. Yeah, he's grown on me a little bit because I like the film so much, but um, he's kind of a, a mess. I, I, I appreciate the dialogue. Like, that's what I like. I like the way they wrote Lex. I don't like the way Jesse Eisenberg portrayed Lex. Well, I didn't like him when I just saw a weird character and didn't understand what Jesse Eisenberg or Zack Snyder were going for. Now that I know who Max Landis is and the idea that Jesse Eisenberg probably pretty much completely just he played Max Landis as Lex Luthor for some reason. I absolutely really hate the performance. The worst thing is, is that when he was cast, there was some fucking, you know, a YouTuber making perhaps a professional editor, probably just a YouTuber uh, spliced together. You know, Jesse Eisenberg saying things from uh, the social network. And now you can uh, now you see me, whatever that movie is called, uh, it, you know, cutting back to. Shots of Ben Affleck or or Henry Cavill. Uh, it's kind of like a, a, a demo reel for what he thought, how Jesse Eisenberg actually could play that role really well. And I thought, oh, yeah, OK. But especially, I mean, I don't know if you've seen the, the magic movie. I haven't either. Uh, I haven't personally. Uh, but, uh, you know, you. Oh, you've seen, yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. Oh, now you see me. Yeah. I've seen it, but you see this. I've seen the social one. network, of course. And, and it's like I can totally see a Jesse Eisenberg uh, playing basically his version of of a of a uh, what's his name? Uh, Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, as Alex Luther. Like Mark Zuckerberg is kind of a modern day Alex Luther. That's how he thought he was going to play him, and then he didn't yeah. play him like that at all. And I just, I did, I don't know how to interpret it. It's Max Landis. I mean, that's pretty dead on. Yeah, it it is. And Max Landis is maybe it's because Jesse Eisenberg knew that, like, okay, Max Landis is a fucking sociopath. And, and yeah. possibly a rapist. Allegedly. Uh, allegedly. Uh, if this is what an evil dude like looks like when he's like making deals and, and doing like business and stuff like that, maybe that's why he did it. Um, I, th I think that's the only way I can, I can justify where this decision came from is that both Zach and Jesse Eisenberg knew that, Max Landis was a secretly evil person and, and thought like, okay, this is, this would be an interesting way to portray uh, Lex Luthor. Although Lex Luthor is not evil in the traditional sense in, in most no. incarnations. He, he, he's usually on the side of humanity. This one yeah. doesn't seem to really, he, he doesn't, they don't do a good job of justifying why he wants to kill Superman. And even worse, they, they'd have him kill, try to kill Superman by creating a monster who would then just kill millions of people and would be unstoppable without a plan to, like, save humanity from the well, thing he created. To prove pr to prove his point, though, even though he would have been the uh, the bearer of his own, you know, uh, uh, monster that would have destroyed humanity in BVS. It, it, the purpose of that was to show the world that, you know, how quickly Superman could also become such a monster and. 
hopefully would then justify any action towards Superman. I, I that's how I read it. But the BVS I version, think, you mean? Yeah, the BVS version. Yeah, but the way I think of of Lex Luthor having kind of heard that information about Max Landis, I've I've obviously known that in the past. Um, the uh, and also the stuff that we've heard about Max Landis since then. Um, I kind of thought it was interesting that even Zack Snyder, when he talks about Lex Luthor in BVS, Lex Luthor is uh, Lex Luthor Jr., which is a character from uh, the Death of Superman or just from DC, but he was a character in Death of Superman. And um, that version of Lex Luthor, I always kind of thought that this was what Jesse Eisenberg was playing, that there was maybe another Lex Luthor we didn't see. That was the bald Lex Luthor. That you know was the the muscle bound man. Yeah, I don't know what they were going with that though. Is that 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 wasn't that wasn't what they were going with. In the end, what they've described is that Lex Luthor, Jesse Eisenberg, is supposed to be Lex Luthor, Lex Luthor. That's not supposed to be like Lex Luthor Junior. In the sense, yeah, but that, that Lex Luthor's father's name is Lionel. Uh, I thought his name was Lex Luthor in in BVS as well. Anyway, so yeah, but canonically, isn't it usually that Lex Luthor is the son of Lionel Luthor, and and you when he inherits it, the company is right, called no. Luthor Corp. But when it's Lex Corp, it's like he started it himself. I don't know that. That's interesting. Really? Okay. So well, it's Luthor Corp. Is- it's in Smallville. Lionel Luthor is played by uh, the. Guy from Gremlins 2. Michael Rosenbaum? No, Michael Rosenbaum plays Lex Luthor. Lionel Luthor is played by, yeah, the guy from Gremlins 2. I can't remember his name now. Wait, the uh, boy, the 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 the, the black hair guy, Zachary something? Oh, fuck. No, 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 no. The the, the, uh, Daniel Clamp, uh, the Donald Trump character from. uh, Oh, fuck. I know you're talking about. Yes. Uh. No, uh, something Glover maybe. Glo- oh. Yeah, it is. It is Glover. Joel, not Julian Glover. Uh, that's a different guy. Um, but uh, he plays Lex Luthor's father on Smallville, and he's like a major character as Lionel John Glover. Luther. John Glover. And it's called Luther Corp because he started it, and then Lex inherits it, and, and like their rivalry and how Lex, you know, has to rise up and take control of the company is a, is an ongoing arc through all of Smallville. So okay, so there's different versions of Lex that kind of like connect with whatever you're. You're, you're reading or well, my point watching. is I don't know what Zach was doing with having there be so, le- two Lex Luthers mentioned. I, I mean, I, I still maintain that. Yes. Jesse Eisenberg is playing the Lex Luthor of this universe. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah. But okay. So yeah, that being said, um, Zach says about this Lex Luthor, uh, Jesse Eisenberg was playing. He says Snyder revealed that the retro Lex core sign that's hanging up in the basketball court where we first meet the villain is the last piece of the company. His father built, right? So some people are t- are are interpreting this as um, a trophy, right? This is potentially Jesse Eisenberg's trophy of of killing his dad and like taking over his company. Because in this movie, it's uh, believed or whatever, it's alluded to. At least <sighs> that's Zach's thing is that uh, Lex killed his dad. Now, when I was referring to Death of Superman, that Lex Luthor Jr., his dad was, and I think is is actually Lex Luthor. The, the quote unquote Lex Luthor, Lex Luthor. That's different. That Lex Luthor Jr. is not his father is not Lionel. That's that's supposed to be the next generation after Lex. But this movie, that's why it was confusing that we didn't know what at the time what actually Zach was trying to do. Was this because Lex Luthor Jr. has red hair and they gave Jesse Eisenberg a red wig in this movie. Yeah. So it was weird. It was just kind of like, what are you doing here with this Lex Luthor character? That being said, 
By the way, my podcast, if I ever did by myself, would be called oh, That Being Said. I forgot Amy um, Adams does damn look damn good in that bathtub. Amy Adams is great in uh, as Lois Lane in both films. Uh, we won't probably talk about her much because Zach didn't really talk about her, I guess, in this live commentary. Nothing that anybody mentioned, at least. Um, but uh, so Lex Luthor. Um, I mean, they really just got all as much tit as they could in the PG-13 movie. Oh, my God. I love the sex scene they have in the bathtub. So good. Lex Luthor's, yeah, like like I said, is my biggest fault the whole film has. Um, other than that, I'm fine with almost everything else that goes on. I get that there's reaches when it comes to the bullet stuff, but the bullet makes sense in the Ultimate Edition, and that's really one of those most unfortunate plot threads that's lost in the edit for the theatrical version. Yeah, it, it makes no sense in the theatrical version. It, does it makes make, some sense in the Ultimate Edition. It well, see, the thing is that obviously it's a it's a it's a, lo- it's a long road. All the bullet does is shoot. shoot it's a experimental bullet, and it was made by LexCorp, which it proves that Lex Luthor was involved in the event in the unnamed African country. That's all. That's all. It, it's it really ends up as is just her connect her connecting uh, Lex to a plot to frame Superman. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah, like it's it. like thirty minutes of screen time. It is. It, it, but but like cut down into the theatrical version into like. But but and, and then minutes. it just falls apart. You don't even know what what it like what the point of it is. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, you know that it's supposed to be important because it's Lois's storyline that connects, like, uh, General Swanick or whatever, Martian Manhunter in the end, turns out to be Martian Manhunter. It connects their storylines to, like, you know, the, the larger story of the film. But the problem is, is it's all lost when you're cutting away in the theatrical version just to Batman doing shit. Even Superman is so fucking lost in the BVS theatrical version. When you see the Ultimate Edition, you're like, okay, here's half of a Superman film. When you watch the BVS theatrical version, it really is just a Batman movie. And and when I was saying earlier that uh, Zack wasn't making like a sequel to Superman, he was making really, I think, just like this overarching story that was kind of like Grand Theft Auto. You start in your little neighborhood and then you go into a little bit bigger neighborhood and then you go to a bigger neighborhood and you go into bigger neighborhoods. Eventually you have the whole map covered and, and it's all no fog of war. So Man of Steel was just, you know, we're just hanging out in CJ's, you know, Glover Street or whatever it was called, Grove Street or whatever. And then and then we started going around L.A. a little bit more in BVS. And then all of a sudden we're like, oh, San Fierro and Justice League. And then Justice League 2 was going to take us to Las Venturas. And then by the time we got to Justice League 3, we had the whole map. We had our airport. We had everything locked down in the desert. And it would have been amazing. Yeah. We never got that, though, because unfortunately... Warner Brothers took advantage of a terrible tragedy, and Warner Brothers goes, let's fucking fire him and hire Joss Whedon to make a fucking movie. And it destroyed everything. Uh, yes, well, I, some would argue that it was already broken, and it is. because I, you, I don't think so. When you're talking about how much we saw in BVS, we saw too much in BVS. The, a Batman? If, 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 no, 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 uh, not a Batman. If you want to do what you were just kind of describing... There needs to be an extra movie in there, uh, at least maybe two more, because BVS, if you think about what it bites off, it bites off Batman fighting Superman and then teaming up with them to fight a bigger thing. That's a movie. That's your second movie in this plan. You don't also throw in Wonder Woman, but not really have her do much except at the very end for some reason. And you sure as fuck don't also throw in the death and rebirth of Superman arc. In your Batman, they didn't throw in the rebirth. They well, didn't throw in the rebirth. The, the, the death of Superman. 
You don't throw in Batman or Superman fighting and then being killed by Doomsday into the same movie that's also Batman fighting. Dude, you tell me that you don't get emotional when you watch fucking Superman look at Lois and say, I love you. You can't. This is my world. No, Clark, don't. You are my world. This is the world I know. Oh, it's the world I know. He flies into fucking, like, Doomsday and he kills Doomsday. That makes my heart wrench. That moment, I felt the exact same thing. I felt uh, 10 years earlier when Brandon Routh Superman was lifting a continent and I was thinking I should be feeling something for this big Superman moment, but I'm not because it's, it does not like it's done wrong. Wait, wait, Brandon Routh pushing new Krypton out into space. Didn't make you cry. No, it, it made me think, well, this doesn't make sense. Yeah. It didn't make me cry either, but watching Superman, swear his love to Lois and his love for the planet. And then he goes and sacrifices his life to like save everybody in front of a man that just tried to kill him only like 30 minutes earlier. And, and he's saving this man and he's doing all this for a fucking planet that doesn't even love him. I like, I, I, I get so emotional watching that. It's like goose dying in top gun. Every time I see it, it makes me fucking cry. Superman fighting doomsday should be a movie. Well, okay, here's what I will agree it's with. It's all movie. They, they could have taken Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, and made it two movies. Batman v Superman and another movie called Dawn of Justice. I mean, they could have done that. They absolutely could have done that. I'm fine, though, with epic storytelling. That's why I'm comfortable cutting a five-hour fucking movie. That's why I cut phase one of the MCU, and phase two of the MCU is one film. Phase one was uh, <laughs> 11 and a half hours. Phase two was 12 and a half hours, and phase three I'm still working on. But that's why I do those things. I love long-form storytelling. It's like it's novel-esque. It's like watching you know a graphic novel come to life. And, and so I, I, I am a fucking fan, and I am sucking dick so hard when I watch BVS, though. Yeah. Uh, I, I think uh, it bit off more than it could chew in that, in that respect. I de- it definitely did because even Warner Brothers was like, cut this movie down 30 minutes, and then like, there was no way to cut the movie down. This could have been a back-to-back sequel. You could have done it like, like The Matrix and, and Back to the Future and done two movies and have one be a super a Batman movie with him fighting Superman. That would have been much of this movie, and then it could have lived in on a cliffhanger. Of, of Doomsday being created or drawn to Earth by Lex Luthor, and then that would have been your third movie, and it's a Superman movie where Batman assists, but Superman's fighting um, Doomsday I the see, whole movie. I think that the tease at the end of the of the of the first film in those two sequels you described would be Wonder Woman, and then make the whole second film about Lex creating Doomsday. That's fine too. But, That's fine but too. The problem just with, with, my point is that this is two at least two movies worth of content. It is. It definitely is. But here's something that's scary to think. So let's assume they go and try to just make two movies out of this, right? First movie's released. It's called Batman v Superman. It does gangbusters. It's awesome. Middle of working on the second film, Dawn of Justice, Zack's daughter commits suicide, and Warner Brothers takes over the film and still destroys it. So no matter what happens, 
No, we don't know that. Maybe, 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 maybe she only committed suicide because of Warner no. Brothers uh, intervening in in the Batman v Superman production. Her her note was like, "I can't take this world anymore. A world that has Warner oh Brothers God. Studios and their horrible treatment. I love those fake eggs, by the way, that Kendra Cavill's cooking. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I it was. We don't know. Uh, fucking uh, butterfly flaps his wings in in the I don't know South Korea. Whatever Ashton he says. Kutcher. What? Ashton Kutcher, Butterfly Flaps His Wings in Action. No, I'm Ashton quoting Kutcher. fucking Ian Malcolm. <laughs> Butterfly Flaps His Wings in Taipei. And it, no. you get rain instead of sunshine in Central Park. The shorthand is the, the butterfly effect. A butterfly can flap its wings in Peking, and in Central Park you get rain instead of sunshine. Why? <laughs> <laughs> and then I go too fast. I go too fast. I did a flyby. Laura Durham wanted to get fucked in that movie. Well, I was saying earlier, one of the things that I like about BVS uh, Ultimate Edition is that you get more of a Superman film. And speaking of a Superman film, like Scoot uh, McNary's character, th this is, this is a misstep, a paralyzed guy who, who also talked, piss is a said a lot in this movie. And he also talks about how he can't piss standing up anymore in the ultimate edition. It's Maybe Chris Terrio was passing like a fucking kidney stone. I don't know. I don't know why he, I don't know how much of this movie he wrote. Uh, I guess a lot of it. Well, he no. He why did they build a up. monument to Superman when it, when everybody hates him? Well, I mean, I guess they have not Civil everybody. War monuments, obviously, but not still. everybody did does, but I mean, some people do. Now, speaking about what you just talked about, Scoot McNary, um, and Piss, uh, and Chris Terrio. So Chris Terrio definitely cleaned up the the script uh, from whoever started it, but um, it was you know not late in the game. I mean. They actually have a point when they kidnap Lois, uh, Callan McColvey or whatever his fucking name is, who's the actor that uh, kidnaps Lois in, the, in that point of the film. He throws her in a van that says Terrio like cleaning services or some shit like that. So, I mean, it's like they had time to like production design to like, hey, hey, hey we're going to put Terrio's name in the movie. So, I mean, it was early on that his his cleanup started. It's just, it's, it's just too much time. Uh, the, the movie's use of time is not economical. Spends more time on 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 Scoot McNary's character than it does like setting up the the sacrifice of Superman. I love though what they do with Superman. I mean, I like how they like, have in that Superman comic talk in, to in Kevin the, Costner in, again. In the Death That's of the Superman best. comic, comic there, there's actually like there's there's breathing room where Superman is trying to recuperate from the fight fighting with Doomsday, and he he knows he is actually being hurt and dying, and he still goes back in and fights. And like there's full scenes you could do in that in, in, in a second uh, movie, in a full movie that's about that, and and it's just BVS is if my criticism is in, in a, like a single phrase, it'd be wasted potential. There was just so much they could, more they could have done with the things they did, and they all feel rushed through. It's really weird. It's what Marvel never did. They took their time on everything. And, gave, and you know, as a result, we got some movies we probably didn't need, like Thor The Dark World. And two Ant Man movies, but I think BVS. I think I think BVS was absolutely taking its time. I think they were they were setting up long form narrative. Absolutely. I mean, the whole nightmare sequence is clearly an example of that of of long form narrative. Like people watch that and they go, "What are you supposed to be showing me this?" And yeah, if you just watch one movie, expecting one movie and only one movie ever to happen, what is that moment? It's nothing. It's a dream sequence. I mean, that's the only way you can just suffer that moment. But when you watch that moment, having seen justice league 2 and justice league 3 it's probably fucking awesome 
And when you play the long form narrative, it works. And Marvel did that because they had faith in Kevin Feige early on and he ran shit and he established the original phase of being, you know, I mean, were the films, the three films he announced were like Incredible Hulk, Iron Man and Ant-Man. Ant-Man eventually didn't get put into phase two, but he announced those like right off the bat in like 2006, 2007 at like Comic-Con. And then the, he like followed through with an actual MCU phase one that he was allowed to do even during a purchase from Marvel Studios by Disney. And then when he even was able to get free of actual Marvel comics and become his own thing, Marvel Studios, I mean, that was all just perfect circumstance that he just delivered these popcorn 80s films that everybody wanted to see again. Yeah. Uh, um, he did have long form Kevin Feige. He had trust behind him. The problem with, uh, with with DC Snyder is that Warner Brothers runs the shit. Warner Brothers is an old school production studio. They are not Marvel Studios up and coming independent studio. That's what Marvel's was. Marvel Studios was when it first came out. It was an independent studio. So. They jump out there. They're funding all their own shit. They're just distributing through Universal. They're distributing through Paramount. That's it. So they're they're funding all those those chances. They made all those chances. Disney bought them and then allowed them to continue making the chances that they were in the process of of distributing, which was Captain America, First Avenger, and Thor, and the Avengers. But but Disney had really no control over that other than just being like, go ahead, continue to release those things. But then after that, Disney had some say, right? And thank God. The Avengers was a billion fucking dollar movie at the time. Uh, I think it's been more since then. Justice League didn't do that. BVS was fucking panned. Suicide Squad is a garbage heap. And Wonder Woman is on is incredible. But Wonder Woman couldn't save it clearly. And Warner Brothers was just looking at their bank account. Yeah. And that was it. That was it in the end. And that that's what's that's the real end of it is that BVS comes out and apparently Justice League gets rewritten. And then Zach's daughter commits suicide. It's horrible. And Justice League is rewritten again. And then Joss comes in, and then he starts rewriting it. And everyone blames Joss Whedon. And I think the real reality is somewhere in the middle of Joss Whedon having to clean up what Warner Brothers' notes were. And Warner Brothers' notes were probably out of control. Yeah, Warner Brothers is the villain of the story. They really are the villain of the story. But that nightmare sequence that we were talking about, um, Zach talked about a little bit more in depth and what he reveals is just kind of everything everybody anticipated it to be. He says, I guess it's boring for him, meaning Bruce Wayne waiting to encrypt, uh, decrypt. So he fell asleep maybe, or I'm not sure. Maybe it's a byproduct of flash cracking on the cosmic treadmill or whether it creates some sort of rift where it allows Batman to see into the future. It could be a combo of those things. So Snyder then continued about what the actual nightmare is. He says, this is the lake and below us is what is the bat cave to use to turn into their resistance headquarters. They've stolen this thing from the old LexCorp, which is a piece of kryptonite. But no, it's a trap. It's a green light. Then you see these are the Superman stormtroopers that have this have set the trap for Batman because Batman is the guy Superman is looking for more than anybody. So I, 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 I did not realize that we were looking at the lake bed uh, where the Batcave was because I thought that was a completely different lake in the fucking BVS movie. Than the lake that's in between Metropolis and Gotham. I didn't realize that. That's weird. So I, I guess they're talking. Maybe there's multiple bat caves. Maybe that's what it is. Uh, See, as much as I love Snyder and all this information he provides, 
there is contradictory information and stuff that he he's like you maybe you said like he's he was ill prepared for which is kind of odd that he would just kind of be so off the cuff with discussion about like where the bat cave is located and what we're looking at in that nightmare sequence i i never now new information from to, from Zack snyder i guess because uh, i never Yay. thought that was intended what was that what was intended that that was a lake Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I know I kind of always thought that it was supposed to be like a great lake that was in between Metropolis and Gotham because that's kind of how they look kind of looks like and they establish it. Yeah. But um, I didn't. Which is a mistake, by the way. Them being that that close doesn't doesn't work because it it really because like the whole idea is that after they're established, like Superman protects Metropolis and Batman protects Gotham. Uh, Close. Yeah. Why wouldn't Superman do stuff in Gotham? Fuck Gotham. That's a dark fucking rainy fucking town. I don't need it. That's all Superman thinks about. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that's horrible. Um, and, and also like, what's, what's the, what's the equivalent? Is it, is it supposed to be Newark and Manhattan, San Francisco, Oakland, San Francisco and Oakland, I guess kind of, kind of works too, but like, yeah, yeah, I guess it was San Francisco and Oakland kind of makes some sense in terms of crime and everything, but it's not like there's not crime in San Francisco too. It's not like oh, one's bright crime. and shiny yeah. and the other's dark and grimy. They're they're well, they're both sh- covered in shit now. But there it, there is a perception difference between the two for sure. Yeah, and of course. I would say that Newark and New York is also a very good one, though that that same thing where there is a they're not the same. Like like people like to think of of New Jersey as Newark. They're like, oh my god, New Jersey is just like it's a fucking pit hole of a fucking concrete slab. Uh, nope. New Jersey is a lot of woods with a lot of black bears. Like New Jersey is huge in like, I think having the most black bears per capita per person in the country or some shit like that. It's the best episode of the Sopranos where they're trapped, where they're lost in the. Yeah. Season four. I don't remember what season. I think it is. And they lose the Russian. Yeah. Yeah. Well, everybody thought that the end of this series would be that Russian coming back. And some people like to think that Sopranos ends with the Russian coming back and then going to the bathroom getting something and then coming out and cut to black. Maybe don't stop. Did you like Batman popping pills and drinking alcohol in the morning? <laughs> I loved it. Okay. I fucking loved it. I love that he's betting women too. Yeah. I loved it. I loved it because that goes to the character that they're trying to establish in this film, a broken man yeah. who is, is gone against all his moral codes, right? They're all gone. All of every single one of them. I just, and like I said, nowadays I don't even give a shit anymore because I know these movies are have no connection anymore to really anything. I mean, the, these 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 two films, Man of Steel and BVS, are the most bastardized versions of the DC universe at this point. Like like they will never continue. These storylines are done. They're dead in the sand, gone. Yeah, forever done we'll continue wonder woman however we do wonder woman we'll continue aquaman however we do aquaman and we'll continue everyone else so however we want to do everyone else even superman it's rumored that henry cavill shot shit for shazam and they just didn't go with it because of contract issues with uh, with henry cavill and warner brothers probably if they used it they had to pay him yeah so well i think they probably paid him for being on set regardless but like Yes, he would get some kind of royalty probably even if he was actually on screen in Shazam. Yeah, so it's, instead, well, same as same as the reason they cut Brando out of uh, Superman too. It's it's like because they would have had to give him not a the Richard Donner cut. Yeah, but they would have had to give him a percentage of the gross. So there's like yes, 
I reshoot them with the chick. Well, on top of that, it was it was just so helpful to have to reshoot a certain percentage of the film anyways to give it to what was his name, David Lester, that they or Richard Lester. Yeah. That they just were like, Yeah, you could just reshoot the shit and make it fucking, you know, make it Superman's mom. Who cares? <laughs> like who gives a, who gives a shit? No one knows. Uh Batman walking past the Robin with the ha 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 jokes on you. Love it. At that time. I love that. That's cool. I'd like to know more. And then we've got we got Jared Leto, and I did not care anymore. Yeah, I yeah, and that was back when people were anticipating. They're like, "Well, what if Jared Leto is really Jason Todd?" <laughs> I mean, they're in the same movie in Su- Suicide Squad, so it's like there's a connection. <clears throat> but outside of him being on the roof of the car, I'm sure Ben Affleck and Jared Leto never acted together. Those were stuntmen. So you no, never, never see those see those two interact. And it just like that Joker does not mesh with this Batman. This Batman would just kill that Joker. He would just snap his neck. Yeah. Well, see, that's why like that that Joker has uh, a, a metal grill. Yeah, because Batman broke his teeth. Yeah, broke his teeth in with a punch. But that's still, isn't it? That's from this Joker w- would be murdered by Batman. No, because even I think the, they established that from Suicide Squad that that Batman... Oh, yeah. So the Batman that busts Deadshot. The only reason he doesn't just Harley kill Quinn. Deadshot is because his daughter's there, I think, is the implication. No, no. He doesn't kill them because of Superman already changed his way. He learned from Superman's death not to kill again. We don't know if that scene's taking place before or after the death of we Superman. We do. We do. It, it is established that those are after. Yeah. Hmm. Th- those are after moments. Um. So that's kind of why Batman reacts the way he does there. And if... Batman had encountered Joker at any point prior to BVS and after the point Robin was killed, you would think he would have killed Joker. See, I would <laughs> like to see the, the scene where, where Ben Affleck smashes in Jared Leto's teeth. Yeah. I'd like to then, actually see that scene. And then stabs him in the shoulder and then throws a grenade on him and then shoots him in the head or something or shoots this gas container behind him and explodes him. Uh, Okay. That's what BBS and BBS Batman does and kills people specifically. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they they took out either added in the blood splatters or just didn't use them for the PG cut. So maybe it's just concussion. Oh, they added some blood splatters for sure in the uh, warehouse fight. There's yeah, definitely additional blood in there. Um, my favorite thing would be if Batman actually took uh, some dynamite and then shoved it into Joker's pants and then pushed him in a manhole. Yeah. So the 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 key separation with the whole Batman doesn't ever use a gun. I mentioned to you off air that I'm rewatching Batman beyond, uh, which is heavily like the opening. That's heavily, you know, the whole idea that Batman would never use a gun. And the, the, not because he's morally opposed to it because he has no problem working with like Gordon and police officers who have guns. It's just, he says my parents were killed by a gun gun. And I'm not going to use that device. Uh, but the whole, that's always been like, yeah, but Batman can put guns on vehicles. And there hasn't, even the Chris Nolan version, definitively has impressive shooting abilities on all of his vehicles. There's big old guns on the Batpod and everything has guns on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, this Batmobile and BVS has a way more overt gun-looking turret right at the front that's oh, very yeah. clearly designed to not just, and he's also just from the Batwing, just shoots people at one point with what are clearly bullets. But every, 
I think it's the only part in, in this movie that crosses the line for me is maybe him actually putting his finger on the trigger of it's a flamethrower, not a gun. But it's still like Batman's. And of course, he's holding up a gun to shoot Superman, although maybe that doesn't really count. It's just Batman with his finger on the trigger of an actual gun like device seems wrong. But I don't have a problem with him having like turrets on, on the Batwing and even shooting at people with them because so did the Michael Keaton version and the bat from the Dark Knight Rises. You know, it's, it's shooting explosives at tanks. I guess everyone in the tanks. OK, yeah, <laughs> it's like I, I, I don't I don't really feel like that rule has ever been. If, if the rule is Batman doesn't use guns and Batman doesn't kill, then he really can't have an effective plane either like an effective Batwing because the Batwing kind of has to have turrets. It has to have guns on it for it to be effective, either fighting other planes or fighting people on the ground or fighting tanks. I think Batman, the animated series, does it have guns on it? I think maybe it does. Yeah, it does. I know it has claws on it. It actually has like claws to pick up shit. Um, I think it all depends on like your version of Batman, right? And it's fine. Whatever world, whatever version of Batman you want to create, and you want to establish a reason for your Batman to kill, even though maybe it's his moral judgment not to kill or moral judgment not to use guns, and then he uses a gun somehow. I, I'm fine with it, and I'm okay with characters being hypocritical. I think it makes characters three-dimensional, and I think it's great storytelling if you can actually you know, make it part of your character and your plot and not just be like, oops, circumstance, happenstance, oh! Um, but I just don't like the idea when you're playing in a sandbox specifically no, no. of 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 breaking rules then it would be like all of a sudden if you had uh tony stark in the mcu who's vowed since iron man one to stop making weapons uh anymore for the u.s government and for every other government in the world and then all of a sudden in the background of captain america the winter soldier you had like you know tony stark being like i'm still selling weapons you know, and like on TV being like, I'm still selling weapons, you know, and like that. It's like, wait, you can't just do that in your Captain America movie for fun. Like you got to play in the sandbox. The character's been established. He doesn't do that anymore. Yeah. So I don't like that perspective of, of Batman in a sandbox. Now, Ben Affleck's fucking done as Batman, so I don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> I really don't give a fucking shit anymore. This is the only really time we got this. I mean, his three minutes total of Suicide Squad is... I'm talking Batman uh, or uh, Affleck as Batman because half of Batman and Suicide Squad is obviously a stunt double or stand in. Uh, so but 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 little be gotten there. That's that's in character for this. The Batman that was set up in BVS mm -hmm. and then in Justice League, he's just a different character. Justice League's completely different. Batman He's cracking jokes. He do it doesn't really match up at all. He says the team needs Clark. What the fuck does that mean? You have no idea who Clark Kent is. You met him yeah. one night. <laughs> yeah, it's very funny. Yeah, yeah there's um, established moments where it makes sense to characters like um, Martian Manhunter, General Swanick or whatever, uh, that he knows that Clark and Superman are one and the same, that he actually figures it out, and he figures it out through Lois. And so... Well, Harry, Harry Lennox, you mean? Yeah, Harry Lennox, yeah. Yeah, because, well, yeah, it's implied at the end of Man of Steel that he's has is like using drones to spy on Clark Kent. So, yeah. So, uh, w one of the things that they actually talk about, uh, Zach talked about actually in this commentary was he said, Harry Lennox is pretending to be a human being, but does a great job, but has the relationship with Lois that started in man of steel. If you kind of track the relationship, 
Harry understands that there's a relationship between Lois and Clark, who he knows, of course, is Superman. So, I mean, that's how Zach's kind of connecting it. Um, I, I think the biggest reveal in these last few years since BBS came out is that Henry Lennox was playing Martian fucking Manhunter. That is so fucking awesome to me. I love that. Watching these back, knowing he's Martian Manhunter, is so fucking cool. And I just wish that he was supposed to be revealed in, in, in Justice League and Snyder's cut of Justice League. I think it's supposed to be um, a scene that was either going to be shot or half of it was shot, and in which you kind of got the reveal that Henry Lennox's General Swanick was, uh, you know, John Jones, Martian Manhunter. Um, so I'm praying to God it's in the Snyder cut because I just that would just be such a wonderful cap to the the trilogy that will end up being the only trilogy version of this that there is, and to see that kind of character comes to like a full on. And then the idea that I think the Green Lanterns were supposed to show up in Justice League Snyder cut as well. So by the time Justice League Snyder Cut is done, you have Flash, Cyborg, Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman. You have Ryan Choi, who's working with um, uh, Victor Stone's uh, dad, Silas Stone, who's, you know, he plays the Atom. Then you have also Green Lanterns, and then you have Martian Manhunter. So we're looking at, like, not a complete league of nine people, but you're looking at what is the beginning of nine fucking people league also you have carol ferris and man of steel she's only called ferris and i think her name is like colonel ferris or major ferris it's clearly carol ferris who blake lively plays in the green lantern film is that the i think he's kind of hot girl you mean yes that's that's that so that's clearly supposed to be star sapphire so if she's in, Man I think they just named these characters because their names in the comics and ne- never intended to. No, get to I that. don't. I really do think. And I think if Zach had his way and he could make five films wait the way he wanted to, I think Carol Ferris would have absolutely revealed herself to be Star Sapphire at some point or became Star Sapphire. Or these were small seedlings that Zach was planting for Warner Brothers to be able to take into other film franchises like the Green Lantern Corps and and that kind of shit. I think. I think Zach was trying to be Kevin Feige. I think the problem is, is a lot of people hate Zach Snyder. Uh, we know people that we used to work with that like loved 300 when it came out and like liked Watchmen when it came out. But then after the years have gone know. by, have gone back and went 300s a shitty fucking film and Watchmen's a fucking horrible movie. The reason people do that is because it's fun to go back and, and complain that someone isn't as good as they were. But I think Zack Snyder's Dawn of fucking the dead is in a great movie. It's not yeah. as good as the original, no. but it's a great movie. It really is a good zombie film. It's a good, it's a good zombie movie. And it's also a, a smart way to do a remake, which is you, it, it, it actually has a less complicated plot than the original by, by not having the, the, the like roving army at the end, the bikers, uh, yeah, the biker gang, uh, yeah. by, by kind of just sticking to the zombie theme. It, it, uh, it tells a very focused uh, story. Overly stylistic at times. I so what? I don't care. I love when they go to the rooftop and they they they're sniping zombies in the head. They're aiming for one. They're like they'll sign up signs like Jay Leno, yeah. and then the fucking sniper has to find the Jay Leno looking zombie. And yeah, shoot it's, him in it was, the head. it's it's smart casting. I, I feel like uh, the the Michael Kelly. I think that's the actor's name. Guy from House of Cards. He the security guard who's like an asshole for, for the beginning, and then he. Uh, he, he kind of gradually becomes like the oh leader and far more that's focused. Doug or whatever. It's Doug Stanford, yeah. 
Oh my god, that totally is. Oh my god, I have to rewatch that movie. Yeah. I haven't seen that movie in years. Well, at the years. time, at the time, no one, no. I mean, he's still, he's still kind. Of, he's in this movie, weirdly enough. Well, um, Ty Burrell, Ty Burrell, in fact. Ty, yeah, Ty Burrell, and and, uh, and I think again, I think his name is Michael Kelly uh, from House of Cards. Like these guys weren't attached to big, you know, TV shows like they are now. Like he he, he just smartly casted with the budget he had. Yep. Even Sarah Pauly's kind of an underrated actress and, and the way she plays that character is just very she's a director she yeah she's directed she's not a very good one i've seen two of her movies yeah yeah uh, i know <laughs> but uh she's a very good actress she and, is. and and beyond like because most of us know her from that and go and maybe a few others right but uh she, she uh, and uh uh splice which is so fucking weird uh i can't believe that's a real movie but she's a she's a good actress and, and I'm, I'm sure she was not super expensive I mean, the most famous person in that movie is probably Ving Rhames. Mm-hmm. It's like he, yeah. he, he, he did a good job with that, uh, a relatively small budget. And uh, he, he does, I mean, and then to follow it up when he gets a larger budget to to 300. do 300 is, is he deserves credit. 300 is awesome. It's it's underrated in its overratedness. Most people like push back and like, oh, that was a fad movie. Obviously, now we know it's it's crap but i don't think it is no it's on rails i think the the weakest part of 300 is lena headley's character uh the queen gorgo or whatever um she's she's definitely a weak part of that film i don't even think she's a big part of the comic no at all. they expanded her part uh, because and that I was have a, it right over that there. was a studio thing um yeah that they they there's like there's not a woman in this movie you guys you have to have a, a female character Otherwise, yeah, four women, quadrants, four, four quadrants. Four, well, I mean, at, at least three quadrants. I don't know if I get all four. Um, that movie's all four fucking quadrants for sure. Kids love 300. <laughs> elderly people? Elderly people love 300. Everyone loves 300. I guess elderly people. It was just the right movie at the right time. It was. It was. Yes, it was. It was exploring an experimental CGI um, filmmaking. And and there was a period where people wanted to see what you could do with CGI filmmaking. Uh, even Sin City, which yeah. is you know not an incredible movie in any way, it's really yeah, but Sin City and Three Hundred well. are inexorably linked. They're they're shot exactly. with a similar style, and they're both Frank Miller. So. Oh my god! And they both have sequels that came out way late. That's also true. Well, after we didn't want them anymore. Yeah, I mean, if Three Hundred sequel came out immediately after, people would have loved it. But Three Hundred Rise of an Empire. No one gives a shit about Ava Green shows her tits. That's a great thing, but nobody gives a shit. Because and in no between them, the movie. and Ava Green shows her tits in Sin City, a Dame to kill. In between them sits, or maybe after Three Hundred, sits the Spirit, as the movie that no, that was the example of what happens when you utterly fail to do this. Right. Well, that's when you when you when you cast a movie with a nobody, you make your villain Samuel Jackson after everybody doesn't care anymore about Sammy J, and then you hire Frank Miller as the director, and and b- people thought Frank Miller directed the third Sin City. Part's the reason why it didn't work. You can cast an unknown and it be him be a good casting. That guy wasn't well cast, but he was not cast. He's well. not the problem with that movie. But here's the thing: everybody thought Frank Miller was a good director because Robert Rodriguez gave him credit. On Sin City, saying directed by Frank Miller and Robert Rodriguez, but, but the it reality wasn't. was Robert it, Rodriguez directed that whole movie, and yeah. Frank Miller maybe did a fucking small. Quick well, no, because because more pre-viz, Sin City no, no, than no, no, Frank no. Miller did pre-viz and coming up with storyboards, 
would be considered directing. And in that sense, Frank Miller did co-direct Sin City. That's why the, he the, got the, the credit. The comics really. are storyboards. Like they're, the, the entire, right. like every shot is storyboarded by Frank Miller. That's why. Pretty close. He deserved that co-credit. The problem was, is that there's other things you have to do as a director, like, interacting with your actors and giving them good directions coming up with like the, like pacing uh, and, and and tone for scenes those are things that robert rodriguez obviously handled and frank miller had no Clearly. idea what to do or tarantino well yeah in that one scene that one scene yeah um and then watchmen i just rewatched uh watchmen after having watched the watchmen series on hbo i fucking loved Watchmen. When I first saw it, I never read the book. At Are that they point. connected? I thought they were completely. Un- no, they're not connected. They're not connected at all. I just wanted to rewatch Watchmen, having just seen the HBO thing, because I was just in such a fucking Watchmen mode. I was like, I need more Watchmen. Um, I really loved the HBO series. Uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus uh, Ross killed the fucking score. Killed it. Yeah, it it's so mostly good. Atticus Ross, I think. By the way. No way, Trent. I'm a Reznor diehard. Only, yeah, but there's only so much that he can handle. So. Um, it, it's it's it really is beautiful. Uh, Regina King or Regina King, she's great in it. She's fucking awesome. And there's one episode that's kind of supposed to be like a one take in which you go back in time. And you see all this shit through black and white. It's anyways. I, I don't want to spoil it because you haven't seen it, right? Yeah, but I don't think I'm going to. Oh, okay. It's it's really it's really fucking good. Don't spoil it. Just guess. It's really good, and so therefore I went back. I've watched watch every Slanderson. episode of Euphoria, but I didn't watch Watchmen. Oh my god, I've never seen any episode of Euphoria. You should. So it's really, it's really seen, interesting. I can't watch that. No, I can't do it. So having seen uh, Watchmen, the HBO series recently, right? I we watched Snyder's Watchmen. I watched the Ultimate Edition with. Um, the uh, black freighter or whatever it's called in there, and it's cut in. It's go and it goes to a cartoon. I really want to discuss it's, Euphoria with you. It's so stupid how it cuts to the cartoon. All right, we'll do Euphoria. Fine, I'll do season one with you. Emma, if you're listening, can you or, or name redacted wife? If you're listening, can you uh, trick Ballard into watching Euphoria? Because I really want to discuss Euphoria, and no right. one I know has seen Euphoria. We'll do a season one. How about that? We'll do a season one spoiler cast. I promise. It's an interesting show. <laughs> okay, I'm curious. Um, I hate it anyways, so much. <laughs> Watchmen with the Black Freighter tales in there. It's not good. So the director's cut is the one I would say to watch. And I liked it. I think he totally gets the comic. Obviously, there are moments that don't connect with the comic uh, verbatim, right? He doesn't adapt it directly like, say, Sin City um, or 300, which is really closely adapted. Uh, Watchmen veers a little bit more. But... I really like what he did with that. I think his biggest misstep was truly just Sucker Punch. Uh, yeah, no, I agree that Sucker Punch is, is his only overtly bad movie, not counting Justice League. I haven't seen the yeah, Alice not, movie. Not counting, not counting Justice League. And I cannot stand people who count Justice League as a Zack Snyder film. And I have not seen the Owls film that he did for his kids. That's not bad. That's very similar to Secret of Nim. It's, it's also... Okay, I would say this. That's right above Sucker Punch, though. It's not great it's definitely not great the legend the legends of guhuli or whatever owls of guhul legends of the guardians the owls of guhul guhuli um terrible yeah it's just above sucker punch but it's not bad it's really not bad 
It's just not appealing to children. I don't know who he was trying to appeal to. Sucker Punch is just a simple thing. Uh, not understanding the difference between what works in a movie and what works in a music video. Uh, that concept of things not being real, you can't, we won't care about the characters. And I know it's confusing because it, it obviously parallels Chris Nolan in so many ways because Christopher Nolan, obviously, after Dark Knight, he's like, we'll, we'll make whatever movie you, you fucking want. And he made Inception. Uh, and and, and I, I'm sure Zach, after Watchmen's moderate financial success, got a similar but not as great deal with a much lo lower budget of as long as you make our, our next temple superhero movie, super, uh, Man of Steel, you can mm -hmm. uh, will finance your passion project, which also happens to, to be a movie that takes place almost entirely in dreams. And, 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 and so that's not real in, in the mind. Same as Inception. And it just shows yeah. that Christopher Nolan understands, OK, if this is all taking place in a dream, you have to set up real world stakes. You have to also care about the people in the real world and have an understanding of that and, and also have a connection between the two as to why there's like something bad can happen in this world and we should still care. Well, yeah, and Zach, didn't, Zach didn't understand that. He just watched a lot of anime and, yes. and a lot of Sailor Moon and thought, uh, oh, I can make like a fantasy world in which I make six different music videos maybe five uh and like the the dream on top of the dream the fact that like it's not even a brothel in the real world it's actually a mental institution and we only see that for the very beginning and very end it's such a stupid concept that that like you you now know that zach can't be one of those people where you just say here's money make a movie because he needs to be reined in like the dialogue in in uh Dawn of the Dead is good because it's written by James Gunn and James Gunn knew how to, to write dialogue. And, yeah. and the dialogue in 300 is good because it's pretty much all written by Frank Miller and Frank Miller knows how to write that kind of dialogue. Yep. And then as soon as you give him Chris Terrio, <laughs> uh, there, there's, there's nothing to hang his style on. There's, no, there's like it, the substance isn't focused because Man of Steel is still pretty good because that's David S. Goyer and he knows he, he, his thing is that He's terrible at writing dialogue. He's terrible at writing characters, but he's good at writing structure. Right. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, Chris Terrio, what else has he done? So he's done BVS. He's done uh, Argo. And then he did Justice League. And, and, I, and he did uh, Rise of Skywalker. So he's not very good at reining in his his scripts. He, he delivers epic scripts with way over convoluted plots. That's kind of interesting that. People need to really kind of rein his ass in a little bit more. It's like at a scripting phase, these movies need to be tightened if they're going to be tighter films. I think the reality is that DC and Warner Brothers wanted a shorter film for BVS than what they got. They didn't want a three-hour film, and but they approved a three-hour script. So as, as, I don't understand the disconnect. He used, to, he used to write for Damages, the TV show. That's interesting. I never saw Damages. <sighs> Directed an episode, it, too. Is, is it a good show? It's well written. I mean, it's it's good. It, it, I, I'm just focusing kind of on the dialogue and, and how this movie kind of has really terrible. Like, there's not memorable lines. The most memorable quoted line is Martha. And then why no, did you say I, that name? I don't think that's true. I Like I think I said earlier, I think Lex Luthor, I, I love the dialogue of Lex Luthor. I think Jesse Eisenberg didn't Boys. Uh, portray the character well. <laughs> I think the way, no, he talks about when, when Jesse Eisenberg's uh, Lex Luthor is up on the top of Lex Tower 
and he's talking to Superman. Almost everything he says is this really fucking cool, allegorical, yeah. metaphorical. And if he delivered it in the same way he delivered lines in The Social Network, sure. calculating and cold and distant, sure. it would work. But instead, you know, he's just like, and the mother of a demon must be a witch. He's like, that's a little more than he does it. But it's not that much more over the top than he does it. Oh, my God. It. Again, but it's so the great. Only it's way, so good. The only way I could really forgive that character is if Jesse Eisenberg has the balls to flat out say in any interview – uh, yeah, it's because I worked on a movie with Max Landis and he's the most like psychotic, controlling person I've ever met. So I just based the character on him. I'd like because we got confirmation about Toby Maguire, who was like rumored to be a fucking manipulative psychopath for a long time. And they finally uh, made that movie about uh, him, Molly's Game, where he's played by Michael Sarah. And Andrew Aaron Sorkin directed that. I still haven't seen that. I kind of want to watch that just because. But like he was well known to be a fucking manipulative psychopath through anyone I, who met I, him. I did not know that's what Molly's Game was about. Molly's Game is about uh, Jessica Chastain plays Molly something. The, the This woman who ran the high stakes poker games that, you know, Leo DiCaprio and. Well, uh, Topher Grace and Tobey Maguire and all like the pussy posse, the, the pussy posse was involved, as were other people. Uh, it, it was it was a big thing. I, ben Affleck may have played in the, some of them. It's high stakes New York poker games. And she she ran them. And Tobey Maguire was like the the only celebrity like directly involved. And he was apparently a manipulative fucking psychopath who liked like, wow, playing mind games and torturing with people. The real Tobey Maguire. Like if you heard like, not, that, Peter like Parker. There's, there's, no, not Peter Parker. Although there's the, what the closest confirmation uh, that Joe, well, one of the closest confirmations about it was uh, Joe Mangelino, who's, by the way, in D.C. is Deathstroke, the DCEU. Not anymore. Not anymore, he's not. But he also played uh, Flash Gordon in Spider-Man, and he tells a story about how the crew hated him so much that one of the crew members said, like, We'll, we pulled together. We'll give you a thousand dollars if you fucking pull, don't pull the punch and break his nose. Just punch him right in the face. What? And then he looked. He looked down at like a sound guy who was listening to the conversation. The sound guy just kind of like nodded, like, "Do it, do it." Wow. Like that, everybody hates him because he's, he's a fucking horrible human being. And that's also been true of Max Landis. And again, uh, bringing it to back to this movie is that like. That's the only way I think I can forgive this 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 uh this performance is if I Betrayal. I have an explanation of what was actually being done here because at the time Max Landis addressed this he even made that fucking his own like version of the death and rebirth of Superman like as a terrible short film thing it's like it was a passion he was involved in this world and he knew Jesse Eisenberg. And it just at the time, I think he was like, cool, like, oh, it's based on me. Yeah. You know, it's totally stole my my persona. It's like he, he was OK with that portrayal. But like if it was just he's a weird fucking quirky dude who says goofy shit and stuff. I liked his portrayal, by the way, his Superman story. I thought I, I actually liked it. I haven't, so I haven't watched it. I just. Oh, I liked it. it. I liked his treatment. Uh, uh, his, his, he's his not a bad screenwriter. It, it, but my point is, is that it, you wouldn't base uh, a manipulative sociopath on him unless you knew something. Well, then maybe he knew something. I mean, come on. Yeah. Hollywood isn't that like it's Hollywood is high school. For like the, those types, I like still think it's the wrong choice level. in a performance. But uh. I do, I agree, I completely agree. I, but I back to Chris Terrio, I think that the writing for Lex is actually really well done, and and I think there is like it, there's a dichotomy 
and 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 the lines. And I think that's really fun because that's the, that's the Frank Miller. Frank Miller is that. Like Frank yeah. Miller writes things like in Three Hundred, writes well, shit right. like that. Where we're on Batman holding up the big sniper rifle gun, and this movie just fires a tracking dot, and that's directly from Frank Miller. Like that directly image from is Frank directly Miller. from Frank Miller. So. Yep, absolutely. And so Frank Miller like does that, right? He'll literally set up dialogue or specific lines. And then call back to them either by the end of the scene as some kind of homage reference to or hint to uh, things said earlier, but you have like new perspective on it. Or at the end of the film, you hear the same dialogue driven again by different characters or by the same characters with everything you've learned. And then it has new perspective. And, and that's great shit. So there's a bunch of other shit that Zach said, obviously, on this live commentary. He talked about how the fight, you know, essentially we have specific angles that are from Batman's perspective to make the Man of Steel seem ruthless and dangerous. Uh, whatever, I, I I guess. I I mostly watched the fight and I went, can just someone talk for one second, please, before you guys start fighting? Um, he talked about how Superman had a Wait, Fortress of Solitude. Zach said that? I said that. Oh, yeah, okay. I was confused. Mm-hmm. I thought you were quoting Zach Snyder, sir. No, not anymore. Um, Superman had a Fortress of Solitude in this film. It was uh, when he goes and visits his dad in his head up on top of the mountain. Of course, that was cut out of the uh, theatrical version. It's in the ultimate edition. Uh, Zach said this version of the Fortress of Solitude was made up in Clark's head. The filmmaker added that the man of steel sought his adoptive father for his advice because he was desperately trying to hold onto his humanity. So that's how Zach does the Fortress of Solitude. (laughs) He just does it in his head. I, you know, I get it because he destroyed it in the last film, man of steel. He crashed it into Metropolis. Mm. Cyborg and the flash. They were working on time travel. I guess this is what justice league two was going to be was mostly managing Lois Lane's death, or maybe Justice League 3, technically, I guess, uh, and how to go back in time to warn Batman and Superman. I guess in Justice League 3, we were going to have Batman go back in time to warn Superman instead of Flash going back in time to warn Batman. To prevent an an Injustice-like timeline. Correct. Which I loved. I loved that they did Injustice, because it was a, a great, like, Fucking well, fight. Yeah, they, I mean, that, that's, that's what the flash, that's what the dream slash flash forward in this, in this movie was. Uh, so injustice. Was, was, yeah, there's there injustice vibes to it too. And, and Totally. Uh, and, I love the way injustice begins with uh, Superman ripping out uh, Joker's heart. Isn't that how it begins? I'm pretty sure that's how it begins. Yes, that is. Um, it's, it's early on in the comic, yeah. And then uh, to address Wonder Woman's addition in BVS, even though it's very small, I loved what Gal Gadot did in this, or Gal Gadot did in uh, BVS. It made me excited as fuck to see her in Wonder Woman. And I was happy with her in Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman is still one of my favorite fucking DC films. And on top of that, Wonder Woman 1984 is my most anticipated fucking DC film coming up. Um, The one thing I want to round this whole thing, this whole conversation off with, is Martha. You're letting him kill Martha. Fuck it. Zach has something to say about Martha. He says the whole idea of this movie is to create this arc where Batman confronts Superman's humanity, that he finds himself again. That's what the thesis of this thing is, that we're all humans and that we all connect on a level. Our mothers have the same name. That is really sort of this fundamental... We both have a mother, so we are both human. Even though Superman is from another planet, his connection to humanity is so clean that Batman is able to re-energize himself. Re-energize himself? What do you mean? What does he mean to re-energize his morals? That's a stupid moment. Well, the problem, the problem, see, everybody bitches about Martha. 
Problem's not Martha. They, they stop fighting because Batman realizes what, what like Zach just said there. They're like, oh, he's the same name. Oh, shit. It's it's he's a real he could be a kind of a human being. Um, the problem isn't that. The problem is that why they're fighting in the first place is so stupid that there's no way that they can stop the fighting and it not also be stupid. They wrote themselves into a quarter and thought Martha would get them out of it, but they ne- they should have gone back and figured out a way to not have been in that quarter in the first place, i.e. not having uh, Batman and Superman fighting because of a misunderstanding that would take 20 seconds to clear up. Wait, wait, wait. Totally agree. And even Where when Superman you just says, the- I didn't kill those people in Africa. Lex Luthor has uh, uh, right, my mother. Right, he just speed talks. Yeah, he just speed talks over Bruce's. Bruce is like aiming his guns at him. He's like, whoa, whoa hang on, wait, wait, wait. Okay. My name is Clark Kent. I'm from fucking Kansas. I'm just a person. <laughs> I'm just a human being. Don't shoot me. I have a mom named Martha. She's, she, Lex is trying to kill her. Can we save her right now together? Right. There's things that obviously I feel like Superman was trying to say in the way it's portrayed in the film. You can almost see how Superman's trying to say it, but he's interrupted. Um, but that. That is not. No, it's not. How he the tries. World works. He tries once, gets shot at, gets pissed off, and then just yes. fights him for four minutes. He's like, he's like, I've been trying to talk to you, and then he punches him and throws him like three hundred yards. Um, but yeah, Batman doesn't listen to him at all. Doesn't hear from his perspective at all, and they just start brawling, and that's just like that's the way the whole thing goes down, and and it and it, it could have been resolved if people just talked for half a second. And it is it is a lot of, you know, set up to just get these two characters to fight and in in the way the film positions it. I'm OK with it. But, uh, yeah, I agree. I'm like, oh, man, if you guys just, you know, could just talk for a second. You guys would realize that you're just trying to save somebody. But for me, Martha Kent, Martha Wayne, I didn't know that really going in. I mean, I knew those names, but I never really connected them as both being Martha's. So when Chris Perio <laughs> obviously was like, oh, my God, away. all these all these fanboys love these characters and they both have these moms named Martha because he did research. It is weird. There's never been a plot point, you know? Right. Because Chris Terrio is looking at a spreadsheet, right? Where it says like Batman's mother, Martha, Superman's mother, Martha. And he goes, oh, Martha's. So he connects them and then he writes into the script. And for him, it's he's like, this is brilliant. Well, as a fan who's never connected that for all these years, I was like, oh, my God, this is brilliant. And looking back on it, that, of course, is is not as brilliant. This is a necessary scene, by the way, we're on here. Superman saving people after the explosion of the Capitol. Not having that in the theatrical cut is so fucking weird and wrong. That's, it it implies that Superman just flew off after that. Yeah, he just bounced. He was done. He was over it. He's like, whatever, fuck this. I'm not dealing with this nonsense. This is a necessary scene that, that structurally Dude, scene- breaks your movie. That when he goes up into the mountains to go fucking talk to his dad and he walks by those like... Uh, those those natives and they're like, sir, if you go all the way up that mountain, you're gonna fucking freeze. And he doesn't. He just keeps going. They're like, he's going off to die, I guess. But not really, because like, he knows he won't freeze. Obviously, he knows he won't freeze. But they're like watching this person do this weird thing, that you understand that like he could be superhuman. That they're finally maybe making that connection. Wait, did I just see Superman? Like those are cool moments that are ripped out of the fucking film. And having Kevin Costner. By the way, what is up with Kevin Costner's character? Having the raspiest voice, like he had a sore throat that day he shot that scene. Probably. Did you notice that? That that scene in Harrison Ford not cutting his hair, it just feels like these, <laughs> these in yeah. uh, Rise of the Skywalker. It just feels Is like. Is it Terrio? 
Did Terrio write those into both scripts? Yeah, that's a very valid question because they're both very similar in that like, oh, we really need to get the father figure back. He's dead. Uh, Fuck it. Fuck it. It really says in the script, it says Han shows up on Destroy Death Star. Kylo turns, now known as Ben, and looks Han and then his parentheses, Harrison without cut hair. Yeah. And then, yeah. No, that's because Harrison Ford cared enough to come back. And, and, and probably Coster was like, I have a cold, but uh, yeah, fuck it. Fuck it. Fuck it. Fuck it. All righty. Well, I, I have nothing else I really want to say because I. No, we've said more than enough. Yeah. I mean, I could keep talking forever, honestly, on BVS. I really could. I could talk for as long as you're watching the movie, but uh, we, let's wrap it up. So. And credit scenes, something we always talk about for spoiler casts. This is kind of a weird spoiler cast because we're releasing it four years later. Um, there was one. one. Uh, that's not it, an end no, credit scene. There was one. It was released on YouTube. Was, was that supposed Communion. to be an end credit scene? I thought that was supposed, no. It's it's where it's, it takes place in the movie. Oh, it doesn't matter. And credit scenes in Marvel constantly take place. Well, this wasn't an. Well, well, yeah, my whole point was that this wasn't an end credit scene because it's not after the credits in the movie. It's something that's released on YouTube. It was released on YouTube, but it was it was supposed to be an end credit scene that they retracted because of what you just said earlier. So Zach watched the film and goes, "Well, technically, this scene would take place chronologically before the end credits." So I didn't want to confuse the audience, so we didn't put it at the end of the movie. Also, DC made some kind of comment. I think Christopher Nolan did, or maybe DC did, where they said, "We're not going to do end credit scenes. That's a Marvel thing." Yeah, I just wanted to real f- I, just because it just is in my head. We just saw the shot of uh, Jesse Eisenberg looking into the where the uh, kryptonite used to be and seeing the battering. Is that part of his plan or not? What did he want? Super, like that's just that's a moment you have to act and like show like yes I want this to happen or oh no this isn't my plan I'll have to improvise. You have to act and explain like we, I I don't what is this Lex Luthor's plan? Oh yeah, that's part of his plan. It's all part of his plan. It's not conveyed well. That is that is a miss poor direction there. And well, poor it's screenwriting. Like Joker really. poor screenwriting. the Dark Knight. The Joker and the Dark Knight, it's all part of the plan, but yet it, none of it's part of the plan, right? Chaos is the plan. Yeah. And ju- uh, but but it, so nothing's the plan, but then it's all part of the plan and then you if you look at That's the multiple the choice thing. Yeah. But if you look at the Joker's like plans, like he has plans, like he does have fucking plans. He plans on two fucking fairies to explode. No, he definitely has plans. He just says, I, I don't really have plans. Just the same as he has multiple, you know, stories for his scars. He's, right. he, he, lies. He, he, he lies. He's multiple choice. That that works so, for that character. That doesn't work for Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor. No, but Zach, Lex, Zach Lex Luthor's not an anarchist. To, Zach needed you to think about it, though. He was like, he's like, come on. Yeah. No, Joker, what, you're saying, what you're saying works for the character of the Joker. It doesn't work for Bane. Bane is a different type of plan where it is focused and linear. It, and, and Lex Luthor should have a focused and linear plan. And instead, yeah, he's kind of just making it up. This part here where he's going into the fucking alien ship. It's like, oh, I'll just make a fucking monster somehow. It's like, were you always planning on making a monster? What did you need the I kryptonite so. for? I think that was his multiple choice. Did you just need he- the kryptonite to take a DNA sample and cut Zod uh, Zod's body up. Cause he, that's what, no, that's the only thing he uses more. it for. And then it gets stolen by Batman. Did he mean for Batman to steal it? I love the kryptonite rocket that's made in Superman returns. I like how they do that too. And they show you how they do that. That's how a, they like, that's, they shave it. And that doesn't answer any it. of my questions. No, it doesn't. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Um, uh, Joker is contradictory. And it only works because his character is contradictory. That's the only reason why it works, because he constantly has a plan and he constantly says there's no plan. 
Lex Luthor clearly has a plan and it and it plays out and he's the smartest boy in the room. And he knows it when he meets Clark and Bruce. And I love that scene when he meets them as Clark and Bruce at the party. And he knows he's looking at Superman and he knows he's looking at Batman. And Lex at that moment is the only person of those three that knows who everyone is. Yes. He's that far ahead. No, he is. He's definitely that far ahead of everyone in that room. I, I, again, he's smarter than Bruce. This is not conveyed in the movie. It is conveyed in the movie. That is conveyed. That scene is when that moment is even conveyed in that movie. Oh, Ben Affleck works out so good, though. Oh, my God. I love his montage. This is po- th- those six-pack abs are the most six-pack I've ever seen any abs. And he's older than me, so that means if I start now, I can get those abs. I'm not going to start now because I can't even go to a fucking gym because COVID shut them all down, even though I'm I'm, I'm very curious to see if uh, 24-Hour Fitness charges me tomorrow. because. Based on their previous behavior when it comes to overcharging and fucking people over, I would assume they are still going to somehow want to charge me, even though they haven't been open since the 16th. (gasps) What? It won't be open until probably May. All right. So let's rank um, all the films in the franchise. So Man of Steel and BVS. I'm going to go first, Felk. Man of Steel is a five out of five boy film. BVS is a four point ultimate edition is a four point five out of five boy film. But my ranking is going to go like this. Number two slot, Man of Steel. Number one slot, BVS. Why? Because it has so much more for my eye to galore. I love that I get Wonder Woman. I love that I got KG Beast. I love I got Lex Luthor and Batman. I love that I get fucking everybody. They're all coming to the party. Batman learning about the existence of all these superheroes while basically watching an email <laughs> is, oh, yeah. is the worst is, is the worst way to introduce mass amount of superhero characters. Yeah. Oh no, they all have their logos designed by LexCore. Yeah, yeah. Lex, Lex Luthor probably designed their logos. He designed the Flash logo. He designed the Cyborg logo. He designed the Aquaman logo. Again, that's the kind of thing that makes more sense for a Mark Zuckerberg based. Lex. Yeah, that he had like an actual like uh, creative department that worked on just like branding. Yeah, that would have been awesome. Anyways, all right, we're good. We're done. All right, good. Why the two of you go fuck yourselves? I'm out of here. Cool Boy Nation. <laughs> Tell us what you thought about Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice Ultimate Edition. Movie that came out four years ago. And how many boys out of five you would give us by emailing us at thecoolboyspodcast at gmail.com. Or email us if you want to see at least that one section, that one moment where the two films come together, May of Steel and BVS. I'll export that section for people. New episodes come out every week, but usually on Tuesdays. Be sure to like and subscribe to The Cool Boys and review us on Apple Podcasts. Please check out our other great Cool Boy Central content with Batman and Beyond on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and YouTube. Thank you for <gasps> listening. Stay cool, Cool Boy Nation. Until next time, it's Bizies from Martha. Felk, why did you fuck that name? And that's Bizies from Martha Ballard. I'm out of Diet Coke, so I need to go. See? I'm only drinking real Coke. We did a... You are standing American boy. You have excelled in all things. I pump while I dump. Oh, yeah. So cool. Oh, yeah. So cool. Oh, yeah.
so cool. Oh yeah. <laughs> this episode of the Cool Boys podcast was brought to you by Hey, should I upload onto our YouTube that edit? I don't think you can upload two entire movies on YouTube. No, no, just like that 10 minutes. That I think you can get away. Yeah, that you could definitely do. Maybe, maybe more, I will. Maybe not full 10 minutes, maybe five. I'm not sure how much, but YouTube definitely allows clips of movies. You just can't do a five-hour upload that's two movies intertwined. Maybe not a, not enough it. of that is your original content. No, but maybe I'll upload some of it, and then we can has to be send trans. a link to Zack Snyder. Yeah, yeah, you can definitely upload the fight in its entirety, and, and, and we can tweet at Zack Snyder. This is Easter Egg. Oh, my God. Cool boys. <laughs> Get some cool, cool boys. boys. <laughs> <laughs> so serious. <laughs>